Good morning. Um, I am Bill Wilkinson. I always like to let you know up front, I'm a sinner saved by God's amazing grace. Any other sinners saved by grace out there? Amen. So if you're here for the first time and you are not perfect and you are struggling with things in your life, you have found the right place because this is not a church of perfect people. I, I need to let you know right up front, um, I wasn't going to mention this, but I, I was told by Dr. Edson Knapp on Monday morning that I have four kidney stones right here, and I have two kidney stones over here that are stuck. And I, I wasn't going to tell you that, but I wanted you to know, because if at some point during this service today, you see me on the floor rolling around, don't think, oh my goodness, the Holy Spirit got a hold of him. Okay? <laughs> It's probably a kidney stone. But uh, God has been very good. I, I am virtually pain-free, so uh, we're praising the Lord for that. Um, we're going to talk about uh, John 17 today. And after talking with uh, Dr. Knapp on Monday, I changed the name of the sermon to I Cry Out. Anybody ever had a kidney stone understand what I'm talking about? A few of you. Um, We've been very blessed. Um, Aaron, when he started this series in John, he said, the purpose of this series is to know Jesus better. And hopefully you feel like that as we've gone through this series. But there's another little tagline that he put on there. And he said, remove anything in your life that gets in the way of knowing Jesus better. remove anything in your life that gets in the way of knowing Jesus better. You know, when Susan and I moved up here, we started driving from Ohio and did the the Alcan Highway. It was about 4,200 miles and almost exactly at the halfway point in a place called Fort St. John, our truck rear end went out on our, our GMC Yukon. So we had to get a rental truck and all this. Well, in the midst of that, what happened was we were riding with my brother-in-law and sister-in-law and they have a special needs foster child. I say foster child, but he's over 40 now, but he's, he's about this tall. And Jimmy ended up riding in the smaller car with Susan and I. And as soon as we started riding, we had 2,105 miles to go. And this is what that trip was like. I'm sitting here, Susan's sitting here, Jimmy's in the back seat going, hey, Bill, hey, Bill, hey, Bill. Hey, Bill. And then about every 25th or 30th time he would poke me, I'd go, what, Jimmy? And he'd go, <laughs> 2,105 miles of, hey, Bill. Hey, Bill. But I started thinking about what Aaron was talking about, about get rid of the things in your life that, that keep you from getting close to Jesus and from knowing him better. And I thought, that's the way the world is with us, isn't it? Hey, hey, you try to focus on Jesus and the world's always saying, hey, I got something you need to pay attention to. I got something that's more important. I got something you need to worry about. Hey, hey, hey. And you know, it's up to us to refocus. Sometimes every day, sometimes every hour, sometimes every minute to get our focus, our heart and our mind back on Jesus and say no. This is what's important. Because the world's gonna try to distract you. When the enemy can't destroy you, he will try to distract you. 
We need to remember that our diet is not just what we eat. Our diet is what we take in to our heart and our mind. And we need to be careful there. There's a saying that says, Satan doesn't own the keys to his own house. Don't give him the keys to your house. And you say, well, I would never give Satan the keys to my house. But how many of us, through our little electronic devices, our iPads, our phones, our computers, open up and let things in that we would never, ever consider letting in our front door. That if we opened our front door and these things were there, we would slam our, our door shut and say, no way, you're not getting in. But we let them in through these little electronic devices and we let them into our mind and our heart and our home. We need to be careful, people. So let's start in John 17. Turn with me to John 17, if you would. And I wanna start with verse one. In verse one, Jesus is saying the last prayer before he goes to the cross. This is the last recorded prayer before he goes to the cross. And it says, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all who you have given. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. And here we see, here's Jesus starting this prayer off saying, I'm coming home. You sent me here to do a job. And I've accomplished that work. And it's almost to the point where I'm coming home. I love that. But let's look at some of the things that in this prayer that Jesus prays about. And think about yourself if you're going into this situation where you're going and you know you're going to be tortured. Jesus knew what he was in for. And you know that what's coming, the death on the cross and the agony that's ahead but look at verse 9, John 17, 9. It says, I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those who you have given me, for they are yours. So here Jesus is. He's not saying, Lord, help me. Help me get through this day. Help me get through what's coming ahead. He's actually praying for the disciples. I love that. He's not looking inward. He's looking outward. Now let's move down to verse 12. Verse 12 says, while I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them. Not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction that the scriptures might be fulfilled. There's two interesting things in this verse. First of all, Jesus is saying, I guarded the disciples. And secondly, he's saying, by saying that, somebody was out to get the disciples. We have an enemy that was out to thwart God's plan. But Jesus says, I'm guarding those disciples. And then when we, we move down to verse 15, it says, he's talking to the Father again. He says, I don't ask that you take them out of the world. He's talking about the disciples. But that you keep them from the evil one. And I found as I was going through John 17, there were some things that just might surprise you. 
there were some things that surprised me because here's Jesus saying, while I was here, I guarded them. But now Jesus is passing the torch to the Father saying, I need you to keep them from the evil one. People, I love the idea that Jesus is guarding the disciples and that God's keeping them from the evil one. Because listen to me, there is no safer place in the world than smack dab in the middle of God's will. No safer place in the world than smack dab in the middle of God's will. Let's move on to John 17 uh, and look at verse 17, 18. And in here, this is where Jesus says, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Now, sanctify, that, that's a, you know, a big scholarly word, but sanctify just means to make holy. So Jesus is praying for the disciples saying, sanctify them, make them holy in the truth. And then he comes right back and says, your word is truth. You know, over and over again in the Bible, God talks about the importance of his word, the strength of his word, the importance of us knowing God's word, of hiding God's word in our heart. Just hide God's, I hid your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Over and over again. So the other thing that kind of surprised me is Jesus at this time, he's praying for the disciples to be sanctified, to be made holy. After they've just spent three years with them, that's what Jesus is praying for. You know, Aaron said two weeks ago, he was talking about the vine and being connected to the vine. And he said, the way to stay connected to the vine is through God's word. But that's, that's not always easy for us to do, is it? It seems to be one of the more difficult things in our life. And Aaron and I were talking, he was talking about how when I distance myself from the word, it's easier to wander. Have you ever had times in your life when you wandered from the Lord? Or you know people that wandered? It usually doesn't start with, oh, I'm gonna wander today. It starts with getting away from the word. Keep that in mind, folks. I brought this, because I have to bring it out once a year. The reminder that God's word is a sword of the spirit. And it's powerful. But it's only as powerful as we let it be in our lives, is it? It's only as powerful as much as we bring it in to our hearts and our minds. And this is what the sword of the spirit should look like in your life, right? Remember the brave heart thing running through the field? Ah! That's what the sword of the spirit should look like. And with a sword like that, you can block attacks, right? But a sword is also an offensive weapon. You can attack. Jesus, when he was tempted, did what? Quoted scripture. The power of God's word. And unfortunately, what happens in our life, sometimes the word is not like this in our life. It's like a little butter knife. Because we don't take God's word seriously. We don't hide it in our hearts. And instead of coming at him like Braveheart across the field, we're like, uh, I'll get you, my pretty. <laughs> poke, poke. This is the God's word we need to hide in our heart. 
Tony Evans said, the reason we lose so many spiritual battles in our life is we turn to scripture last, not first. I love Meredith Weiser. I don't love Meredith Weiser. I love that Meredith Weiser has a business where she takes scripture and she puts it on pictures of God's creation so you can hang it all over your house. Becca at Odalali has some of those too where it's scripture on different things. I love having scripture everywhere in our home. So let's look at verse 19. Verse 19 says, and for their sake, this is Jesus speaking, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. Now, when you look up the word consecrate, what it means is to, to a solemn dedication for a special purpose. And Jesus is saying, I consecrate myself. What's that special purpose that he's consecrating himself for? It's going to the cross. It's going to the cross to pay the penalty for my sin and for your sin, for each and every one of us. And what's interesting about that that might surprise you as you look through this, he says, I consecrate myself. It wasn't the father going, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Jesus, go to the cross. It was Jesus making a choice to say, man is separated from God by this great canyon called sin. And we need a perfect sacrifice. And Jesus says, I will do it. I will consecrate myself. I will go to the cross to reunite man with God and pay the penalty for man's sin. What a powerful thought for every sin. Charles Spurgeon said, there may be some sins which a man cannot speak, but there is no sin that the blood of Jesus Christ cannot wash away. That would be a good time for an amen. People, if you come to God, you don't have to change when you go to God. It's going to God that changes you. This is my favorite verse, verse 20. Let's look at it. It says, I don't ask for these only, he's talking about the disciples, but also for those who believe through their words. What's he talking about there? See, the disciples were there. They had the Old Testament, right? And then they had the words that Jesus spoke, which became part of the New Testament. But Jesus is saying, I'm not just praying for those guys. I'm praying for the ones who will believe because of the disciples' word. Who is that? Anybody out there? He's praying for you. You could insert your name right in there. Isn't that a powerful thought? He's going to the cross and he's praying for you before he goes to that cross. Wow. He's praying for you and me before he goes to the cross. I love that. What a, what a powerful, powerful message. See, the disciples, they're word is their testimony, right? When we open up the Bible and we read the New Testament, what is that? That's Jesus's words, right? Jesus's stories, 
but it's also the disciples telling the story of their life, their testimony. Question for you today, what is your testimony? Do you ever think about that? What's my testimony? Psalm 40, verse two and three says, he drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my heart, a song of praise to our God. That's a testimony. I was stuck in the mucky, yucky stuff and he picked me up out of it and set me on a rock and I got a new song to sing to you. That's my testimony. Things that might surprise you, that Jesus was praying for you in his last hours, that he was talking about our testimony. Let me ask you this. One of my favorite songs, the chorus says, I once was lost, but now am, was blind, but now I see. Think about yourself for a minute. What's your testimony? I once was, but now am. I mean, maybe your testimony is, I once was addicted to drugs. I once was addicted to alcohol. I once was addicted to pornography. But now I am set free in Jesus. I once was depressed, but now I know joy in Jesus. I once was filled with anxiety, but now I know peace that passes all understanding. What's your testimony? You look at what's going on in the world today. I mean, it's just, you turn on any electronic device. Kanye West is proclaiming Jesus. Lamar Odom, I read a while back, is proclaiming Jesus. Two guys that were in drugs, sex, everything you can imagine on the evil side are now out there proclaiming Jesus. Two guys who are married to Kardashians. What is it about being married to a Kardashian that turns your heart to Jesus? <laughs> God bless the Kardashians if they, they helped on that way. I mean, I read the other day, Hulk Hogan turned to Jesus. Oh, yeah! Any Hulk Hogan fans out there? Like yeah. two of you <laughs> that got that, oh, yeah. I read last night, Anthony Hopkins Turn from alcoholism and atheism to Jesus. God is moving. But he's not just moving in Hollywood. We had a pastor stay at our house last week and he talked about how up in Soldatna at this place called the uh, Ammo Can Coffee Shop, every Tuesday night, 50 to 60 teenagers are getting together and praising the Lord. And people are coming to know Jesus at the Ammo Can Coffee Shop in Soldatna. That gives me chills. Teenagers. I love that. What's your testimony? We had a pastor, I talked to a couple months ago, a pastor up in Bethel, and he used to be in Uniclede, and he, and some circumstances took him out of there, and he spent a year in Anchorage, and it was just, everything he went through was just dragging on him, just overwhelming him. And he said, I came to God and I said to God, am I too broken for you to use? And God replied very clearly to him and said, 
no, you are just broken enough. What's your testimony? You know, we had this wonderful missions conference a couple weeks back. And I just, I love our missions conference here. It's the best I've ever been to in my life. But ever since that missions conference, four words have been on my mind. We are all missionaries. Every one of us that knows Jesus, we are all missionaries. Do you ever think about that? Do you ever think that every time you go out of your house, every time you go to work, every time you pick up the phone and talk to somebody, every time you go to a restaurant, every time you stay in a hotel, you are a missionary for Jesus. Aaron talked about planting seeds and how a seed reproduces itself. And that's what missionaries do is they go out and they plant seeds. And when you plant a seed, like if you take a, I've got a kernel of corn here, I've got some corn. If I take one of these kernels of corn and I plant it in the ground, my, somebody looked at these and said, are these your kidney stones? <laughs> so I got this little kernel of corn now, if I plant this in the ground, what's going to grow? Corn, right? You're not going to get apples. You're not going to get raspberries. You're not going to get strawberries. You're going to get corn. But the thing that I love about that is that when we're planting seeds in God's economy, you reap more than you sow, right? Because if I take this kernel of corn and I plant it and one stalk comes up, and sweet corn, there's usually one or two ears of corn. Each ear of corn has 600 corn kernels in it. So that one kernel of corn has produced between 600 and 1,200 kernels. That's God's economy. You reap more than you sow. If you have field corn, there's up to 10 stalks on there, or 10 ears of corn. That's 6,000 kernels from one. That's why there's 2.3 billion Christians in the world. Because when Jesus was there, when he left, these guys went out and they started planting seeds. And they went to the local diner and they planted a seed. And they stayed at a hotel in Jerusalem and they planted a seed. And they went and talked to people and they planted seeds to the point where it's grown to where now in 2015, the last estimate was 2.3 billion Christians on earth that started right there with Jesus by planting seeds. We're all missionaries, people. We're all missionaries. I have a friend that was a waitress at a Red Lobster back in Ohio. And uh, she hated working on Sundays. And it always broke my heart to hear this. But she hated working on Sundays because of the church crowd. Because the church crowd was not always very nice and they were lousy tippers. I started thinking to myself, what if we, what if we in Homer, when we go out after church, what if we go out and we are the most 
joy-filled customers they had all day? What if we are the most generous customers that they had all day? You think they're going to go, huh, I don't want to work the... They'll be fighting over each other to work the Sunday shift because that church crowd's coming in. Because we're all missionaries. And let me take it one step farther. What if when you got your bill at that restaurant, you stopped and took a minute to write a note to that waitress? Said, thanks for being a blessing to us today. I hope God blesses you in a mighty way. We'll be praying for you. Wow. Wow. And what if we got really crazy? I mean, really, really crazy. And then at the end of that note, we signed it and said, Bill and Susan. But at the end of the note, we said, here's a scripture. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Seeds. Planting seeds everywhere we went. What if we did that at every restaurant we stayed at? What if we did that to the people that waited on us? The least of these. The people that most people don't pay attention to. Susan and I were at a, a home two suites up in Anchorage about a year or two ago. And I usually don't like to talk about giving, but I want to, this is such a wonderful example of God directing giving. So we went down to eat breakfast. And after I'd eaten breakfast, I went over to the lady who had prepared all the breakfast stuff and set it out for everybody. And before I went over, I reached in my pocket and I looked at my wallet and all I had were $50 bills. Now, I'm not wealthy. I had just been to First National Bank Alaska ATM and that's all they give out is $50 bills. So I had a choice at that point. I could say, I could go over to the desk and get change, right? Or I could think, well, God, all I have is 50s. So I took a $50 bill out and I went up to her and I said, hey, I just wanted to say thank you for blessing us today and getting everything ready for it. I really appreciate it. And I just wanted to say, God bless you and give you this. And she reached out and, and she took my hand and she said, thank you. And she took that $50 bill and she didn't look at it and she just put it in her pocket. Now I gotta be real honest with you because you know we're here, it's me and you here. There was like an alien creature that reared up for just a second in me that went, hey, I just gave you $50. You didn't even look at it. That human side of me, you know, and I stuffed it back down. God, you wanted that girl to have $50. So the next morning we came down to breakfast and Susan got there before I did. And that lady came up to her and she said, that man you were with yesterday, she said, he gave me money. And she said, I went back in the back room and I put my hand in my pocket and I pulled out and he had given me a $50 bill. And she said, I just started sobbing. Because she said, I left work when I got off and I went to the electric company because I needed $50 to keep them from shutting off my electric. God appointment. And we got to talk with her that morning. We got to share with her. And we got to explain with her, that's not Bill. That was God that told me to do that. What if we were missionaries everywhere we went?
What's Jesus pray for us? Let's look at uh, verse 22. Verse 22 says, the glory that you have given me, I have given them that they may be one even as we are one. So here Jesus is, he's getting ready to go to the cross and what's he praying? That these disciples, that these people that he's praying for in the future would be one. That there would be unity. That there wouldn't be divisions. That they wouldn't be fighting over what color the carpeting is or what song they sang or crazy stuff like that. Think of how many, how many uh, verses there are in the Bible about oneness. About getting along over and over again. Do a study of that sometime. I love Psalm 133.1. says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in what? Unity. So here Jesus is praying for us to be unified, to be one. And why is that so important? Look at verse 23 and he tells us. He says, I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one. Now listen to this. So that the world may know that you sent me and loved me and loved them even as you loved me. Do you see that? So the world may know that you sent me. Our Father in heaven is looking at our ability to get along with each other, with other believers. You know, the Bible says they'll know we are Christians by our love. You know that song? That people sing that song. But God in heaven is staking his testimony on you and me getting along with other believers. Isn't that powerful? So that the world may know that you sent me. It's interesting, as Aaron and I were talking about John 17 here, there's a progression that happens. And that progression starts in the beginning when we talked about being sanctified in truth, and your word is truth. And, and it's like, truth is, uh, can you pull the other slide up that has the four letters on it? Truth is kind of the base, it's kind of the, the foundation, right? It's God's word, it's truth. And truth, God's word helps lead us to sanctification, that process of being holy. And then that leads to unity. And then that leads to our witness here on earth. And what Aaron and I were talking about is how any one of these things, when you're having trouble, go back. Go back to the foundation. If you're having trouble with unity in your life, get in God's word. Are you in God's word? If you're having trouble with that process of becoming holy, get in God's word. If you're in trouble with your witness, get in God's word. Go back. Go back to the foundation. Go back to the base. His power is greater than any sin in your life. The Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We can't live by our feelings, people. We need to live by the truth. And God's word is truth. There is no condemnation 
to those who are in Christ Jesus. People, Jesus is a bondage breaker. Let me say that again. Jesus is a bondage breaker. And there may be somebody here today that needs to hear that. Jesus is a bondage breaker. He can break the chains of sin. He can break the chains of Satan in your life. He has canceled by his death on the cross the power of sin in your life and my life. The victory is already won. I want to ask the worship team to come up. And I want to challenge you as, as we finish. I want to challenge you with three things today. The number one challenge is what Aaron said when we started this series. Be willing to remove anything in your life that gets in the way of knowing Jesus better. Whatever it is, I spoke a couple years ago at the men's retreat and we were talking about, you know, if, you're, if your right eye offends you, pluck it out. We were talking about things like, you know, if, you're, if your phone, if your computer offends you, chuck it in the Ketchumac Bay. Be willing to get rid of anything that keeps you from knowing Jesus better. My second challenge to you is go out to Almer's today, sometime this week, and buy some index cards. Little white index cards. Take 52 of them and say one verse every week. I'm going to hide God's word in my heart. It's important. Find somebody to do that with. Do it with a spouse. Do it with a friend. Do it with your kids. There's not hardly a greater gift than you can give your kids than to help them hide God's word in their heart. 52 cards, one verse a week. A year from now, you'll have memorized 52 of them. And I've had people say to me in the past, you don't understand, it's really hard for me to memorize. And I said to a person one time, <clears throat> gave him a verse, said, can you memorize this? I said, it's really hard for me to memorize. I said, if I gave you a million dollars, could you have that verse memorized by Friday? I said, oh yeah. I said, so you're not telling me it's an issue of can I memorize? It's just an issue of is it a priority in my life? Because for a million dollars, you'd do it. My last challenge to you is be a warrior. We need warriors. We need warriors who are willing to plant seeds for Jesus every time you go out, every time you go out to eat, every time you stay in a hotel, every time you go shopping, every time you pick up the phone. You look out there, there's suicide. I got a call from a pastor the other day, message said, pray for our village. There were four suicides in our village. Three of them were high school age. It's a spiritual battle, people. Sexual abuse, drug abuse, alcohol. People are dying without hope. And we need warriors who are willing to go to battle, to plant seeds and not be shy. 
the worship team was singing the last week or two, the song, the chorus said, you make me brave. You make me brave. You call me out beyond the shore and to the waves. And it just really hit me this week. That song, people are drowning. People are drowning around us in addictions, in depression, with the weight and the chains from the enemy. People are drowning. And people, we can't stand on the shore and say, I'll pray for you. Oh, by the way, Jesus said he would never leave you or forsake you while they're out there drowning in the waves. You make me brave. You make me brave. You call me out beyond the shore into the waves where there's danger, where there's risk to me. May God give us all the courage to get off the shore and go out into the waves. God bless you. Um, we've all had this happen where you're talking with someone, you're having a conversation, and they start giving you advice on a topic, and you get a ways into that conversation and think, I don't know if you should be giving me advice because you, I don't think, know what you're talking about. An example would be finances, someone who maybe hasn't actually done a lot of the things they're telling you to do and they're giving you advice. The reason I say that is as Bill is sharing, I kept thinking uh, over and over again, everything he's sharing on, it is the things that Bill does. And so uh, here's what I want you uh, to take away is Bill was sharing not just from the word, but also with authority from his life. He's actually teaching and sharing some of uh, many of the things that you actually uh, embody. And so I appreciate that about you. Thank you so much, Bill. Um, but as you're listening, if you thought, wow, that, I need to do something with that, take that step. There's going to be prayer afterwards. If you want to get prayer, you can do that. Uh, but also, it's, it's not just about hearing a great message. It's about it bringing transformation uh, to your life, to the way that you live, and to your heart. So take a step today. Now is the time to act.